dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Rediscovering a Catholic imagination means rediscovering the possibility of seeing things in a new way. How do we view the day-to-day work that we do? Do we look at it from below, according to our perspective, or from above, according to God's? In this series on the spirituality of work, I want us to learn to look at things through God's eyes. Hello, everybody. I'm just so glad to be with you again, to have this opportunity to work together to understand God's vision for work. We've come together because this subject is so important. Not only does it dominate so many hours of our day, but it's fundamental to our sense of who we are, our pride, our dignity, and the passion with which we live our lives. If you just think about it, even from the point of view of like how you progressed in your life, it's dominated by work. Uh, uh, when I was a little child, I wanted to grow up so that what? So that I could do things. Well, do things like what? Well, of course, get a job. And of course, do sports. And of course, go to school so that I could get a career, so that I could be well-positioned in society, so that I could be a good family provider. And so our lives take on this trajectory almost necessarily of going from who we are and our identity of ourselves into who other people say that we are and our identity in the, the, the society based upon our work. The number of people, for example, that are either the kind of either ashamed or they're really proud of their career. You know, what do you do is kind of a question that if I asked you, what do you do? You know, that would instantly tell me a lot about you from the outside. And so many of us would take value in that to the point that we might not want to say what we do or we might want to say what we do in an exaggerated fashion. And that's because what we do is actually that important. It's not just a, 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 a small thing. It's, this is actually part and parcel of how I view myself and how I view myself becomes part and parcel of the gift I make of myself to other people. Work is at, at the essence of life. It's at the essence of our identity. And so it's not the, the essence, it's not the core, but it is that important. What does the Catholic Church have to say to you? Well, I want to give you some readings here from Pope John Paul II's letter, Laborum Exercens, where at the end of the letter, that's, it means by working or through work in Latin, Laborum Exercens. Towards the end of the letter, he speaks to us about the spirituality of work. And I want to take a look at the beginnings of the aspects of that spirituality found in paragraph number 25 in the document. But before we do that, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, 
illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's plunge right back into the text here. Uh, in, the, in the first uh, sharing that I had with you about this particular document, we looked at work as being an actus personae, an act of my person, something that I owned, something that I was responsible for, something that I could sign at the end of the day. And the, 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 the church keeps on going. It says, the church considers it her duty to speak out on work from the viewpoint of its human value and of the moral order to which it belongs. And she sees this as one of her important tasks within the service that she renders to the evangelical message as a whole. That's already quite a statement there, right? So the Pope here is saying, you know, this belongs to our task as priests in, to speak about it. And you can say, why? What, what, what business does a priest who spends his time ministering to God's people, praying, preaching his word, what business does he have speaking about the economy, talking about business, talking about the harsh realities of, of the financial world, talking about investments, talking about human capital, right? We, 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 a lot of us, we, we, we kind of cringe at that. And here the Pope is coming out very strong saying, this is the role of the priests and the bishops. Why? Because it belongs to the truth of the gospel. Now, I want you to think of how awesome that is. The easiest way for our world to fall into corruption, economic corruption, monetary corruption, ethical corruption, in so many different ways, is for us to divide a segment of the world from the light of the gospel and to say, of this part, the gospel has no place. The gospel cannot speak to what I'm living here. As soon as you can do that, well, then darkness could dwell there because the light of the gospel would not shine there. And Pope John Paul II is saying, this is not the case when it comes to work. In fact, every aspect of the human existence is claimed by Christ. And got news for everybody, Christ was a worker. When you look at this in the gospel, it's amazing. He was referred to as the son of a tecton in Greek. That word tecton in Greek is the son of a roofer. And it's not just a roofer in the sense that we think of it today. It's a sense of, it's the guy that in the architecture of those days, the one that would lay the framework on which then the roof is put. Okay, the framer of a roof was a tecton. He was a heavy laborer who was used to dealing with wood and sculpting it so as to make the coverings on the homes. So it's, it's, it's astounding to think about the, the Lord Jesus doing that kind of work. He wasn't playing with clay. He wasn't, you know, it was a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong playing with clay. But he was actually hoisting up beams and working with them with his own hands so he would know the sweat 
of toil. He would know the drudgery of the labor. He would know the camaraderie of his fellow workers. He would have worked as a part of a team. And this man, Jesus, that we knew, who is, of course, the Son of God in the flesh, wanted to know that field of labor. He didn't have to. He could have come in and done any kind of thing. He, he was God. He was in complete and absolute control of his destiny. And yet he as God willed to be a worker. Why? Because he wanted to be at your side. That's why. He didn't want any one of you in your cubicles, on your sales jobs, traveling 100,000 miles a year, whatever you do for your job, to think that somehow that didn't have meaning. And how many of you listening actually think it doesn't have meaning? How many of you right now are sitting there wondering why you're doing what you're doing. Now, I agree, you need to try to find a job that fits you. It might be a time for a career change. But I also want to say that even beyond a career change, it starts when you say God is with me in my work and that what I do here does matter and the way that I do it does matter, that the gospel has a light to shine on the mystery of work, for indeed it does. What is that light? Well, going back to... John Paul II, again, this is in paragraph 24. He says, at the same time she sees it, that is the church, sees it as her particular duty to form a spirituality of work which will help all people to come closer through work to God, the creator and redeemer. That's the first thing. The second thing is to deepen their friendship with Christ in their lives by accepting through faith a living participation in his threefold mission as priest, prophet, and king. There's two things that the church wants to see happen in your heart when you accept this vision of work into your life. And the first is that you draw nearer to God and to Christ. And the second is that through that, you, ex you enter into a real participation of Christ's role as priest, prophet, and king. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. How do I do this, right? How do I draw near? How do I actually come to seeing God in my work? This is the big question on all of our hearts today. And, and that spirituality of work, we're going to talk about it. But I, and, and see this, it, this. Your work came to you as a gift from the Creator. In paragraph 25, John Paul II puts it this way. He says, throughout the course of the centuries, men have labored to better the circumstances of their lives through a monumental amount of individual and collective effort. To believers, this point is settled. Considered in itself, such human activity accords with God's will. For man created at God's image received a mandate to subject to himself the earth and all that it contains and to govern the world with justice and holiness. A mandate to relate himself to the totality of things, to him who was acknowledged as the Lord and creator of all. Thus, by the subjection of all things to man, the name of God would be wonderful in all the earth. This, this quote, which actually comes from the Second Vatican Council, quoted by John Paul II, is an amazing perspective. 
The first thing that I can do to draw near to God in my workplace is to recognize that what I've got is a gift from God. What I've got is a gift from God. The talents that I have are a gift from God, but the possibility to exert them also is a gift from God. Just think what it, how terrible it would be to not work. This is, <laughs> if you have a hard time imagining that, just ask your wives <laughs> or your spouse either way. How it would be if, in fact, you stopped to work, they'd say, oh my gosh, I wouldn't know what to do with you. How many people upon retiring find themselves immediately looking for work again? <laughs> because we just don't know what to do with ourselves. And that's because actually work is a good thing. For as difficult as it can be at times, or the drudgery of having a cold and then having to operate meetings or do a, a board presentation when you're when you're sick or all these different type of things that can happen and the risk of the salesperson who's out there day in and day out trying to make it happen and without ever knowing if it's going to, you know, all the different drudgeries, that's only one element of work. I want us to look, first of all, at the positive element of work to see that I'm actually there doing it. This corner of the world called my workplace, called the, the, the field that I've been sent to, to use is actually my corner of the harvest of God. That when God created the heavens and the earth and he made the human person, he made the human person with a job. If you remember looking at Adam in the garden, God said to Adam, till the earth, right? Till the earth and care for it. And so Adam placed himself there in the garden to work it. And that's exactly what he did. And whenever we look throughout the Bible, we see time and time again, the place of work being exalted. And, and I say this because a lot of our modern spirituality today doesn't emphasize this. We make spirituality kind of like an emotional haven for folks uh, that need to find somehow or other the fact that they're love or rediscover their the sense of themselves by an emotional connectedness. And this has a lot of value. Emotional connectedness is extremely important. The fact is, though, that there's a lot more to us than emotional connectedness. There's a lot more to us than feeling buoyed up or encouraged by some sort of, of change of our feelings. That comes through the power of music or comes through the influence of the Holy Spirit. Either one of these things, while again important, is not at the essence and structure of who we are. Much more profound to a point of who we are comes from what we do in the way that we do it. And here our jobs actually have a place to play in forming our identity and in forming and structuring our religion. I've been sent into this corner of the world by Almighty God, who has entrusted me with talents and skills and then left me <laughs> with the obligation to follow through on them. That All of a sudden, I become someone who's kind of important, and you are kind of important. Because all it would take is visiting a corner of the world where folks disdain work, and where work is not seen in its full value, and see what happens in that place of the world to the environment, see what happens to the family, see what happens to self-esteem, 
You know, I, I challenge you with this because a lot of people today, they'll, they'll come and see me, they'll say, Father Nathan, you know, I can't give to your charity. You know, and, I, and of course, that's fine, but are you giving to any charity? You know, I can't really give anything right now because I got to put the kids through college. And, and I respect that. I mean, what an amazing gift that is if you can do that. But I want to kind of challenge you just for a second. What happens, what would happen if you didn't put your kids through college? Would your kids still go to college? Well, I mean, like, yes, you'd say. I mean, they'd still go to college. They would, they would have to get a job. <laughs> you say, all right. Now, what exactly is so bad about getting a job while you're in college? I want to say this because, you know, at Eagle Eye Ministries, this ministry I founded, I've been working for 16 years now with God's young people, and I can just want to let you know a little bit of secret, a little secret for you, right? When they go to college, they're not studying. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, right? Because, of course, they're studying, you know, they're working hard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I bet that they that you would see an improvement in their grades if they had a job. And I challenged parents with this all the time because when you give your kids a life all the way up until they're 22 years of, of age, you have missed the formative opportunity to give them something deeper than a life and an education all the way up until they're 22 of age. You've missed the chance to give them character. Work forms character in a way that nothing else can. And the proof of that is yourself. When that statement that I just said resonates in you, it's because it's touching back to all those moments when your back was against the wall, when you didn't have a choice, when you had to get up early in the morning and make it to that workplace, when you were without a job and full of anxiety, when the house uh, uh, payment was coming close and you were going to miss a payment on your mortgage, those moments where you lied in bed awake because you were dealing with the anxiety, those moments actually forged who you were because you rose to meet them. It's not because life is hard that it's good. It's because you meet that hard life and you allow that hard life to, to, to chisel a character in you of someone who touches that brink and pushes through it. Why would you deprive your kid of that same possibility? I think that today we have to rethink that question of paying. Honestly, it's just me. You do what you want to do. And it's not like it's a right or a wrong. But I do want you to understand what you do. I think that another option you could do, for example, would be to say to the, the child, or not even tell them, tell them you need them to get a job. They're on their own. They have to pay their way through. Let them struggle and pay their way through. Take all the money that you were going to give them for their college tuition, which in some cases is like $200,000. Put that down for a down payment on their first house. Surprise them with it. When they made it through and they've got that character and they're allowed work to form who they are, what an amazing moment to at that time say, and now we'll give you a foot up or a hand up, a foothold. Here, here's the money we were going to give you for your education because now you're going to put it to the best use, put it to your house. This is just an idea, but the point that I'm trying to say is when I look at work through God's eyes, the first thing that I see is that it's a gift from God to me and a gift that I can use to give back to Him. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart 
and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. The second thing that John Paul II underlines that he wants to accomplish by the spirituality of work, the first is that through work, a human person is able to draw closer to God. And, and again, what that means is that by doing this work, I recognize that it's a gift, and by seeing that it's a gift, I'm able to give it back, right? It's a dialogue between me and my God. Already that elevates the whole experience way beyond where it is in most of our minds. And then the second thing that he says is that he wants that by accepting this world of work into their, as a part of God's plan for them, they come to a living participation in the threefold mission of Christ as priest, prophet, and king. Now we're going to underline that as we go on. But what John Paul II wants us to see here is right off the back, the first point, the word of God's revelation is profoundly marked by the fundamental truth that man created in the image of God shares by his work in the activity of the creator. And that within the limits of his own human capabilities, man in a sense continues to develop that activity and perfects it as he advances further and further in the discovery of the resources and values contained in the whole of creation. What a, what a, a vision. I spoke about the Catholic imagination, you know, this ability of how the Catholic views the world. And by the Catholic here, of course, I mean all Christians. I, I mean a, a vision that looks at this world through how God put it. And, and here in the, in the Catholic imagination, your place in this world is to sum up in yourself all of the wonders that you see in the physical world. You are better. You are more perfect. You are a more incredible piece of creation than the highest of the mountains and the murkiest of the seas. Some people don't want to accept that. Some people have a hard time with it. That's fine. It's still true. <laughs> Everybody can have different opinions about things. But the fact is that by your spiritual soul, you have something that this entire created physical universe longs for. And that is this, the ability to speak to your creator. The whole physical universe is a beautiful thing and worthy of respect. And it's not to be trounced upon in the least. But it, it remains without a connection to the creator that the human person alone can supply for it by ordering what it is to that end. I'll give you an example. I do a lot of backpacking with Eagle Eye Ministries, with the students of the St. John Institute. I, I go out all the time into, into the natural environment. And I do that on purpose because I want the young people to realize just how great they are by discovering and being around the great things of nature. But when you anyone who's backpacked for a long period of time will know that at first, of course, the silence is absolutely amazing. It's terrific. But then after like two or three weeks of the silence, it can also become a little bit oppressive. Not because of the silence, but because after a while, you start to look at things, well, 
in their incompletion. I mean, grass and rocks and tree roots are just wonderful things, but at the same time, there's something that isn't enough in them to satisfy our hearts. And that something that's not enough is supplied by the presence of a friend, another human being, the company of a heart, and the ability to sing together the glories of that creation to the Creator. At Eagle Eye, we'll take the young people into the natural environments and there we'll sing, for example, the Psalms and we'll pray the liturgy of the church. And in that environment, five or six human beings connected to the alpine lakes and the mossy rocks and the snow-capped mountains in the distance and the birds in the trees that are around us, we give voice to all of that splendor and direct it upwards in a prayer. We stand as the intermediary between that physical world and the spiritual world. We are human beings. And this is the place and profound understanding of what work is. It's where the human person perfects the world by infusing it with a spiritual meaning and by connecting that physical world to its spiritual home. I mean, what an amazing thing to say, instead of just a bird singing, which is of course already amazing and worthy of respect, it's a fine thing. But what if I were able to say that bird's voice in me becomes an intelligible word, the same language that God himself spoke. <laughs> and now I can speak back to God using that voice and through that voice being in harmony with the creation. So you can look at this from the point of view of the wilds, but what we're doing fundamentally in every aspect of work is the same thing. We take the truth of the, the what this world could be, that we grasp and know in our mind, and we work this world to bring this world in, up and into it. By work, the human person perfects the world. He takes a relationship, for example, and he makes it something that is just and ordered. Takes a rotten tooth, and he cures it. Takes a body, and he makes it fit. We take a, we take a, a, a child that's out of order, and we counsel them back into peace. We are the mediators be between God's plan for this world and the world as it actually is. We are in that place of priest, prophet, and king, mediating between God and his plan for this world and this world's need for that plan. This is the, the, uh, the essential element of what the spirituality of work is founded upon. This very simple truth, by his work, the human person shares in the activity of the Creator. What a destiny, what a vision, what a Catholic imagination. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.